0: Good afternoon, and welcome to um, the City of Saltius Fortius. How can Actories reinvent themselves? Um, being presented by Mark Murr and Maggie Asparas. Um, Case Stefan is not available, so won't be presenting. So it's all over to Mark and Maggie. Let me give you a bit of an overview of uh, of them. Um, Maggie, sorry for bright lights here. Um, Maggie is a manager at, uh, in the actuaries and consultants practice at Deloitte. She qualified; she's a qualified UK and US life actuary with over 17 years' experience in financial services industry in the United Kingdom, Asia, and most recently Australia. Prior, joining to, prior to joining Deloitte in July 2015, Maggie worked in, for several years in the UK for Lloyd's Banking Group, which has uh, significant liabilities of over 100 billion pounds. Maggie has developed a wide range of skills in life insurance reporting, asset liability management, bonus setting for participating life contracts, agency compensation review, pricing, and solvency too. In Australia, Maggie led, leads Deloitte, has led Deloitte's thought leadership on life insurance capital report. Maggie has a keen interest in the future of the life actuarial profession, of the actuarial profession, and how actuaries can reinvent themselves in non-traditional fields. Now I'll also introduce Mark. Um, because I think Mark will be speaking first. Uh, Mark uh, Mark Murr has a variety of life insurance experience in both the Australian and UK markets. Having grown up in South Africa, he qualified and spent a number of years working in the UK. He transferred to Australia two years ago and continues to work in the consulting practice of Deloitte. He has experience in a wide range of areas, including traditional life insurance, reinsurance banking, and general statistical analysis. Mark has managed actuarial audits, regulated reviews, re- reporting, pricing, business planning and transformation work within life insurance and reinsurance. He is also a co-author of the Actuaries Institute white paper on the future of data and underwriting and has a keen interest in the future of the actuarial profession and ensuring actuaries remain relevant, which is key to the topic. Let me pass you over to Mark.
1: Okay. Good afternoon, everyone, and thanks for coming. Obviously, my name is Mark, and this is Maggie. We're from Deloitte Actuaries and Consultants, and we're here to talk to you about Citius, LTS, Fortius, which, for those of you who don't speak Latin, is faster, higher, stronger and how can actuaries reinvent themselves. So some of you will be in this room just because you were here from the previous session and you were too lazy to sort of get up and move, off post-lunch blues. Um, Some of you may have walked into the wrong room by mistake, and, well, it's too late and embarrassing now to walk out, so you're pretty much stuck. Uh, A few of you will have followed your friends or colleagues because you wouldn't have any idea where to go, and you just figured, oh, might as well, wherever they're going. And then some of you are here because you understand the need for us to reinvent ourselves and um, you want to explore the how. So that's what we're going to focus on today. So in order to answer the how, it's, it's a we, we've broken it down to a four-stage, simple four-stage process, which is one, understanding where the profession is now and taking stock of where we are now as a profession. Then it is looking at the different trends and external influences that are going to impact us and our industries and the environments we work in. Then once we understand that. We're going to look to what is our goal or where do we want the profession to be? And finally, a roadmap of how we believe we can get there. So where is the profession now? Everyone will probably look at that and think we're somewhere different along the value chain. I might say maybe we're a a caterpillar. Um, There's nothing wrong with a caterpillar, right? But look at the potential it's got to morph into a a fully fetish butterfly. (laughs) So if we have to look at the current fields or, or industries or areas which actuaries operate in, the green circle is our reach, and the dark blue circle, those are the core fields which actuaries tend to operate in, which we all know about. Um, and I'll tell you that this graph is, by no, is illustrative, so it's by no means um, exhaustive. Then we've got the light blue circles, and those are the non-core other fields. Um, Some of those are on the periphery because we may have a greater number of actuaries working in those areas, and it ranges all through to those which have only perhaps one or two or a handful of actuaries working using their core actuarial skill sets. Then we've got the tools or techniques which actuaries tend to use, which are the grey circles, and those are on the periphery of our reach because, yes, we use them within our traditional areas, but we've got so much greater potential to use them within other, in other areas. For example, risk management is used, obviously, within insurance, but we all know that any organisation can, can benefit from good risk management. So now that we've looked at our areas or industries, let's look at our attributes. So I'm going to introduce you to a framework which we're going to use in parts during this presentation to analyse the role of the actuary within traditional actuarial fields, in particular insurance. So some of you may have already heard about the four faces of a a senior actuary, Um, and the four faces framework pretty much says that any C-suite actuary, so a CFO, a CRO, or a chief actuary, typically deals with four elements in their role. So if we start from the bottom left, we see the steward, and this is about the senior actuary really being accountable for a key insurer function, such as financial reporting. We've got the operator, which is about cranking the handle on people, processes, and systems, and these bottom two form the foundation of a senior actuarial role. Then moving to the top, the catalyst. So once this this senior actuary has the steward and operator role down pat, the catalyst really is about influencing the organisation to change for the better. And then the strategist is really being part of the strategy formulation, decision-making, and implementation of the organisation. So you can see the steward is the controls, the operator is efficiency, the catalyst is really executing these strategic and business objectives, and then the strategist is about the future performance and strategy of the organisation. So looking further at this, um, we believe from our research and from surveys we've done, which Maggie will touch on later, that actuaries tend to be focused more on the steward and operator side of things and less so on the catalyst and strategist roles. So if you look at the symbols that are used, you know, for example, the strategist, the shield, um, as we said, that that's you know, being responsible for key insurer functions. So it covers things such as your statutory reporting, your internal controls and governance, compliance work, or your real technical service delivery, so reserving, pricing, capital management, et cetera. Then, on the operator side of things, which is cranking the handle on the people, processes, and systems, so that's really the tools, right? Which is your resource management, your systems and process management, um, knowledge management, etc. Then, once we get into the catalyst area, That is about, as you can see, sort of lighting the flame. So it's influencing the organisation to change for the better or or instigating change within an organisation. So those are people who help implement your strategy and vision, um, setting priorities, corporate decision-making, stakeholder management and negotiation. In particular, it is influencing those outside of your management or reporting lines, which can be really difficult to do. And then we've got the strategist, which is really setting your sights on the long-term strategy and and vision of the firm and helping to set that strategy, um, fostering innovation, profitability decisions. It really is about just general business and commercial acumen. And the best chief actuaries and CFOs that we've seen tend to be well-balanced across these four areas with the SKUs depending on their personal preferences or the organisations in which they work. And we'll come back to that later, as I said, where Maggie's going to talk to us and we'll see what the distribution looks like. So now that we've taken stock of where we are and what the reach is of of our profession, let's look at what external influences are impacting us in our role, in our industries, in the areas and the environments in which we work. So we all know that the world is changing rapidly around us. I don't think I need to tell you that. But there's a really interesting stat from the World Economic Forum, and I'm going to turn this over to you guys to see what you think the answer is. What percentage of children entering primary school today do you believe will work in occupations that do not currently exist? So let's have some answers from the audience. What do you think? 80%. 80 80%. So four-fifths of, of people, children are going to work in new professions, right? It's optimistic. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yeah. Forty percent. Yeah. Anyone? Anyone lower? Five percent? Ten percent? No. Well, you, you, you're somewhere in between the both of you. It is actually a staggering sixty-five percent. So nearly two-thirds of primary school children are going to work in jobs which actually haven't even been invented yet, or do not exist. And and that is just really quite staggering. Another interesting stat, which is sort of more light-hearted, but there's a number of websites which try to estimate what is the probability that your occupation is going to be taken over by a robot in the next 20 years or, or become automated. And the probability for actuaries is that there's a 15 to 20% chance that we're going to be taken over by machines or robots or that our roles will become automated and will become obsolete within the next 20 years. So we're definitely not at the top end of the scale, but we're certainly not at the bottom end of the scale either. So our profession isn't stagnant, and it will not be the same in 20 years' time as it is today. So as a profession globally, this needs to start being recognised. And it is already, to a degree, because, for example, in the UK, there's a certified actuarial analyst role, which is more for technical roles, and you don't need to finish all the exams. But the point is, the world is changing, and we need to try and make sure that we don't become obsolete. So we've spoken a lot about that the world is changing. Let's give a few examples of what these changes might be and these trends and disruptors that are going on around us. And some of these may be direct impacts, and some of these may be indirect. Some might provide challenges for us, and some might provide opportunities, and some might provide challenges which, when overcome, create opportunities. So if we look at the dotted line that runs through the screen, that could be thought of as you know, our path to reach our goal. And we have to navigate around all these changes and all these trends and challenges in order to reach our goal. Now, as you can see, that line goes up and down navigating around these, because if the line had to go straight, it's going to hit a roadblock somewhere along the way. Another way of thinking of this is we're aiming at a moving target, if you shoot and try aim at where the target is today, by the time you get there, the target will have moved and you'll miss your target completely. So we really need to try aim at where we believe the target's going to be at the point in time when we get there. We cannot, we cannot just look at a stationary model. So running briefly through, and some of you will be aware of a lot of these changes, but running briefly through some of them in technology... We've got artificial intelligence, cloud computing or mega computing, big data. We've got wearables, smart contact lenses, which you can put in your eyes and can tell you what your glucose levels are. There's you know, smart pills or ingestible sensors, which you can swallow, go through your body, and it will tell you what's, give you readings of what's going on in your body and whether you're healthy or not. There's smart cars, there's smart homes. All of these are really providing real-time feedback and can enable us to potentially price down to an individual as an example in many, many other uses. Um, Four out of ten UK health insurance customers said they would consider tracking and sharing their health and fitness data in order to get a more accurate premium. So it's not just something that's a pipe dream. It's actually happening, and customers are moving towards it. On the social impact side, everyone knows about medical advances and the impact that's going to have on mortality and mobility. But what about new infections and antibiotic-resistant viruses? Um, then there is you know, challenges of guaranteeing price and availability of food and water, managing welfare programs such as aged care, health and employment. There's many, many talks at this uh, conference about increasing longevity and how to deal with income in retirement. Right? On the customer side, um, we all know that business models are changing and we need to now put the customer at the centre or the heart of everything that we do. <coughs> we need to move from a product focus to a customer focus. Right. There is uh, privacy and data use concerns. We're living in more connected societies. Mobile platforms are really enabling and facilitating these customer relationships. On the external environment, everyone knows the impact that regulatory or legislative changes can have on us and our roles. Um, there's cybercrime. There's tech giants such as Google potentially coming in and threatening our industries or disrupting our industries. And a fifth of those surveyed in Europe said they would consider using banking or insurance services from challenges such as Google, Facebook and Amazon. Um, there's also changes in offshoring of actuarial resources and other resourcing changes. Uh, on the sharing economy we all know, well, sharing economy is really anything peer-to-peer that's facilitated through technology. So there's peer-to-peer insurance such as friend insurance There's peer-to-peer lending. And then there's other peer-to-peer models which you'll be a lot more familiar with. And and I'll, I'll read you an interesting stat which says that Uber, the world's largest taxi company, owns no vehicles. Facebook, the world's most popular media owner, creates no content. Alibaba, the most valuable retailer, has no inventory. And Airbnb, the world's largest accommodation provider, owns no real estate. So the point is that something interesting is happening and business models are changing, and how can we change with them? If we look going back to our current reach that we saw earlier, what will happen if we don't change with them and if we don't adapt, we are actually going to lose our grip on our core and our non-core roles. Now, maybe it is loosen our grip on our core roles, I should have said, or lose our grip completely on our non-core roles. But machines, robots, and automation they'll make us obsolete if we don't change all the times. And other, profession, and other professionals might start taking over aspects of our roles. So statisticians or mathematicians, data scientists, they're all leaning towards pushing into and encroaching on the areas in which actuaries might operate. However, if we do adapt, what will happen is that our reach will grow and the areas and industries over which we have an influence will grow. So now that we've looked at... current reality, we've taken stock of where we are, we've looked at what are the trends and external influences that are going to impact us, let's try to look at what our future vision is, and I'll pass over to Maggie to focus on these goals and what our vision is.
2: So where do we want the actual profession to be? We believe we have one of two paths to get to our goal, The first one is to get better at what we're doing. If you remember from the four phases of the actuary, we could start building efficiencies and upskilling our team and delegate more to become a better steward and operator. And that will free up time for us to think more out of the box and become more of a strategist and develop a voice to become more of a catalyst. Another path is breaking into new fields, and I'll be talking more about that later in the slides. Deloitte did a survey of 100 chief actuaries and annexing lines to understand how much time they spent on each of these four phases. We found out that they spent most of their time as a steward and an operator, and very little time as a catalyst and a strategist. But what they really wanted was to spend most of their time as a catalyst, an equal amount of time as a steward and a strategist, and the least amount of time as an operator. So how are we going to get there? Our vision is for, to drive the process rather than the process driving us, at the same time being aware of those current disruptors that are affecting our environment and how it will affect our future. These actuaries that we surveyed have suggested a few things to improve as an operator and a steward. They've suggested that we can standardize our processes, reports, and metrics, reduce manual, manual processing, develop more robust and automated process to reduce production time. We can make our evaluation more effective by making our results more transparent, provide accurate, timely and meaningful insights to give more confidence to the stakeholders on our on the information that we provide. We could develop our team to a level that they can be trusted and have the right knowledge. As a steward, we need to have a single version of the truth and not dependent on the source of the information. We need to be more risk-aware and reduce financial reporting risks and also expand the breadth of our market and industry knowledge. Our vision as a strategist and catalyst is to use the feed-up time in being a better operator and a steward in a business context way to influence direction within our organizations. We can reinvent from a negotiation standpoint, influencing others outside our control, and plugging into organizations' strategic pulse. As a strategist and catalyst, we need to further develop our exposure and experience by practicing more in managing and influencing stakeholders. We need to take the opportunity to provide input in strategic decisions in order to build credibility in adding value. We need to refocus an interest on functions that are seen as strategic, such as products, and participate in committees, and be always prepared to provide an opinion in these functions. And we would like to focus as a profession on things that matter most, decide on things that make the most difference, and focus on people inside and outside of our organization that can assist us in reaching our vision. So far we've talked about within our core actuarial fields, but what are our options outside of these fields? We thought there are two ways of doing this. We could apply our existing skills, such as valuation techniques and risk management, into new fields, such as sports, Farming, media, social welfare, energy. Or we, if we'd like to stay within our existing fields, we could acquire new skills such as predictive analytics, microinsurance, and retail financial advice. So, what are examples of applying our skills in new fields? In weather, actuaries have started to be involved in weather derivatives. We could also Um, Develop models to predict future weather and, for example, help the government in planning for future food and water shortages and um, planning for expected damage costs on infrastructure. In sports, John Dewan, an American actuary, created a sports statistics company and sold that to um, Fox Sports for $45 million dollars. He also created the Baseball Info Solutions Company now um, that claims to have the most comprehensive statistics on baseball. In cricket, two English statisticians created the Duckworth-Lewis mathematical formula that determines the final score if a game of cricket has been shortened by a weather interruption. We spoke to to a sports betting actuary called Adam Weschler. His main job is to determine the price of a betting game based on the odds of winning. But what's more interesting to find out is uh, is these companies have used actuaries to profile their customers to understand the type of bets they're likely to make. In football, we could could apply our skills in valuing football players as they get bought and sold between teams. In private equity, we spoke to Stephen Lynch, who worked for a private equity firm. His job is to assess companies that apply for finance for, from these private equity firms. And instead of the usual insurance risks that we look at, he's been looking at, the say, for example, uh, sales growth, uncertainty of sales, or the quality of management of the company applying for finance. In social welfare, actuaries have started to be involved in valuing the investment of the government in some communities so that the government can allocate more effectively its limited resources. In politics, a Canadian actuary called Paul Macrossan thought that the social security systems in Canada is purely is poorly re- redesigned. And he wrote to the opposition leader about this. Two weeks after, he was invited for a discussion so that the Conservative Party can provide response to the government plans. That has started his career in providing advice to politicians, and afterwards he himself became a member of the parliament for the House of Commons. There's many more other fields that we could apply our skills, such as media, where we could measure the effectiveness of media campaigns, and so on. In my discussions with non-traditional actuaries, there are key insights that i have taken personally. For example, from the sports actuary, we can apply our actuarial skills in a field that we also love. From the micro-insurance actuary, there are many countries which have limited or even no actuaries that can benefit from insurance. For example, in Nigeria, it's a country of 160 million people, and yet only 1% is insured. In predictive analytics, Ian Duncan, an American actuary, started getting involved in predictive analytics by, by suggesting to automate a manual process that doctors do in providing prognosis on expected cost on high cost claimants. He believes that we can be a bridge between statisticians who understands the model, but not the business context, and the client's that has the problems and help formulate a vision to solve those problems. And from the energy actuary, non-traditional field requires a different set of skills and we need to be more of a risk taker and be less risk averse, which unfortunately is quite natural for actuaries. So how can we be successful in non-traditional fields? The non-traditional actuaries I spoke to suggested a few things. For example, in the exams, instead of using insurance-specific examples, why not use general practical examples? From the energy actuary, he suggested that we should include the negotiation skills in the CAP course residential course, and also mixing soft skills as early as part one. The Society of Actuaries in the U.S. started the Predictive Analytics Initiative and committed significant funds to raise the profile of predictive analytics. That will enable them to approach educators from top universities in the U.S. to start building study materials for existing actuarial students. And there's many more that we can do, both within education and personally, which I've listed a few things here, but I'm sure it's quite obvious to you already.
1: So, actually, I'll I'll talk to, to one of those on the, on the personal side, which is right at the bottom, remaining close to the actuarial profession. And I would say that if you are going to branch out from the profession, to remain close to the profession for two reasons. One is to try and inspire others and and tell others of your your war stories or or how you got into these areas or to show people that it is possible or to show actuaries at least that it is possible. And the other reason is um, to keep up to date with new actuarial techniques and with what's going on in the profession and to remain an actuary as such and not completely branch out to the extent that you become a non-actuary. That's not what we're trying to advocate for. So some, some concluding remarks is... Why do we need to reinvent ourselves? Well, we know that the world is changing rapidly around us, and that's providing both challenges and opportunities for us. So we need to keep up to date in order to remain relevant and to take advantage of these opportunities and to avoid us becoming obsolete. We have so much potential, both individually and as a profession, um, to have an impact on society, to bring credit to our profession and to ourselves, to succeed in our roles and our careers, and most importantly, to enjoy the work that we do. And we believe that this potential is not being fully tapped at the moment, and this can be seen in our traditional areas where we've heard from chief actories themselves where they've been telling us how much they want to change and how they want to shift the distribution of the type of work that they're doing. And we can also see this in new fields where we've heard from actuaries working in non-traditional areas, which Maggie spoke about, um, and they've shown, given us real-life examples of how you can apply your actuarial skills to other areas or, or, or fields or industries. Some action points is I think we need to... <coughs> Me. We need to distinguish the role of the profession versus the role of us as individuals and not taking any responsibility away from the profession and their role in education and in other change, but as individuals, <coughs> we really need to take ownership for our own careers and not leave it up to the profession to make the change. And then finally, for, for everything that we do, for every task, for every job, we need to ask ourselves, are we the best placed person to do the job? So which tasks or jobs should we give up and which should we take on? because we don't want to spend most of our time on process and very little on the analysis, judgment, and advice, because then we're spending very little time adding the value that actuaries truly can add. I'll I'll end with a closing remark from Albert Einstein, who said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So my advice to everyone is let's not be insane. The end.
0: Okay. Thank you, uh, Mark and Maggie. Um, I think you'll agree that that was um, an interesting summary and overview of, of suggested uh, directions for us. Um, if, do we have any questions coming from the audience? The, uh, the microphone is there. Please identify yourself um, by name. Um, don't be shy because there's lots of questions you could ask in this, this, this area. Or even if it's just comments that you'd like to make about uh, the material that's uh, that's been presented.
1: Yes, i Randy Amidarmo. Um, so my question is around a lot of the constraints in the sort of chief actuarial or pointed actuary role is really the expectations of other stakeholders like the board, um, you know, companies, management, etc. So has there been, in terms of your observations, were there any shifts in those other stakeholders' perception of what is the role of their actuaries? Um, Do they perceive it as operational
2: or is it more regulation or is it then the strategic thinking, big thinking, etc.? So, your thoughts on those?
1: So, I think it's really up to us as actuaries to change that perception and and to really make a, make a case for, for that perception to change. Because I think you know, boards and uh, other senior people within the organisation, at this point in time, obviously some are, already have realised it, but the rest of them, they're not going to understand or realise the desire for us to change unless we are going to show them a, the potential we have to operate in other you know, strategic or other areas. And, and, and demonstrate that ability and capability to them and and then obviously express this interest or desire. So I think whether they understand that or not, it's up to us to make the case for them to understand it further and to understand that that's where we want to play. Uh, and then, as I said, you know, it's doing... doing we need to understand if we're the best-placed person to do the job. So it doesn't mean that if the chief actuary goes and plays in other areas that their responsibility for reporting just completely falls away because the organisation still needs to do that. But it's about trying to get those people who are best placed to do that.